So I was at the grocery store the other day, and I had Sophia, and I was carrying her because we were were taking her to go to potty. And this older woman kind of looks at me like she's going into the women's bathroom, and I'm taking Sophia, and I'm going into the men's bathroom. I mean, she's three. I don't think she needs to go in the women's bathroom yet, especially when we're putting her in a stall. But the older woman looks at me, (laughs) and she goes, "Uh, do you need any help? And I was like, I, I mean, I got in trouble for being a little bit snarky here, but I looked back at her and I go, well, no, I mean, I've been doing this for three and a half years. Now, I thought you could have gone with, I've been doing this for, you know, 30 plus years. If you want to roll them around and give it a little <laughs> shake, you're more than welcome to. But my daughter's going to look at you funny and might tell my wife. I don't know why I took such offense. Also, no unisex bathrooms. I mean, this is 2019. No, no unisex bathrooms at the Crow Group, but... Shame I took offense. I'd gone to Publix. I took offense because, I mean, I, I, it really irks me. It's like, what would she look at me like a dad is taking his daughter the, to the bathroom? Maybe he needs some help. Like, I don't need help. I do this every day. I, I, I really got upset by it. How long had you been in the store? Like two seconds. Oh, I, so not like long enough for you to like lose the kid once or twice or y'all fall over. Or, no, nothing. No, no Wreck-It Ralphs on either end. Nothing. <laughs> it was we went in the store and we went right to the potty. I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, do, do people just look at me like this guy looks like he needs help? Well, not in the sense of, you know, taking the kid to the bathroom, but there might be other avenues. <laughs> Asshole. Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke Baker. Hello, hello, hello. I am having a hard time adjusting, I gotta tell you. Is the heat? No. The humidity? To a mustacheless Zeke. Oh, well, you know. I mean, we haven't announced... This has probably been a week that you've gone without a mustache, and we haven't announced any. You've been keeping it on the DL. Why? I mean, all good things must come to an end. All good things must come to an end. Not saying it was ever a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) But. I mean, I feel like a lot of the people that listen to the show, and I'm not calling them fans, because I, I just can't imagine there are fans of you and I. But there were fans of your mustache. They might not have been fans of you as a person, but they did like the mustache. I'm not sure if fans the appropriate word there, just a uh, enthusiast. A source of humor on someone else's ill fate. <laughs> They're like, wow, he looks like a jackass. Yeah, like, man, that guy goes in public, huh? <laughs> Sheesh. So you shaved it. I mean, was it a sad day when you shaved the mustache? Did you. Did you tear up a little bit? Well, to be truthful, yes, but that's simply because I was using the clippers to try and you know cut all the hair off before I shaved it down. <laughs> and man, they snagged a few of them and pulled, and there was some wincing and a few cuss words said. I'll give it that much. <laughs> then at one point, I had to go uh, like do something or I can't, something came up anyway, and I had like two thirds of the thing shaved off. 
so the just one side of my lip just still had you know full stash. Now looked who's the guy Two Face or whatever from Batman? Yeah. Oh yeah. It it it, it 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 resembled that a little bit. It was very weird. So you got a lot in there though. You you played around with it a little bit before you shaved it off all the well, way. Well, no, it wasn't intentional. I was really just going you know from one side all the way across to the other, and then I had to go do something with one of the kids or something. I can't remember. See, I would have taken the clippers from a guy who's had a beard for a very long time and has shaved off a beard before you gotta you gotta clipper it down before you then shave it that's what i'm saying i was using the clippers yeah but the clippers shouldn't hurt that much i mean it really hurts when you try to well i've had this pair for years the blades probably aren't as sharp as they used to be so iso new clippers no i've got another pair i just didn't want to go get them (laughs) well i am happy you you look you look so nice, honey, when you're clean shaven. It's good to see you. I will say it doesn't make a, a, a ton of difference running. There's nothing like feeling just a whole pool of sweat build up on your lip and then just dump out of that stash. Jesus. No, I mean, I'll just tell you, you know, you're you're a good looking guy when you don't have a creepy porn mustache. I mean, I like that <laughs> smile. It's good to see your <laughs> smile again. It's, I'm sure Amy is quite happy with you right now. Indeed, for at least a day or two. Yeah. We'll take them where we can get them. Yeah. Now, today, I'm very excited because about, I mean, man, I feel bad. All y'all at Bardstown, I'm sorry we didn't get to this sooner because I went up a little bit ago and and I can't tell you enough. Bardstown Bourbon Company, they opened the gates for me when I was up there. I did a pick with my buddy Jared Thatcher, Boot Hill Blades, and Eddie Noel from the Bourbon Cartel. We were up at Russell's Reserve doing a pick. And then Jared and I stopped at Bardstown Bourbon Company, and we went to go eat there and have a couple pours. And they they saw the shirt, and just immediately they were like, do you want a tour? Come in the back. Let me show you some stuff. Let, let me show you everything that, that we're working on. I can't thank everybody at Bardstown enough. They were super, super nice. And they gave us a sample kit. So we have three samples. We have the Fusion Series, the Discovery Series, and the Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve. They brought it back and they said, share this with Zeke. Maybe you guys can do a show on it. So we finally were getting to it. I mean, we just had a lot going on with me going out to Townsend with All the stuff Zeke is always up to, shaving his mustache. I'm sorry we did not get to this sooner, but I feel like we have to do this now because it is now available in Tennessee. So this is starting to move. Distribution's getting a little bit better. You can start to find some of this stuff in Tennessee now. It will also be available in Florida, Northern California, Indiana, and Illinois in addition to Kentucky, where it was already available. So these Bardstown bourbon companies are starting to find their way out. Sounds good. No yeah. uh, no Colorado or uh, Texas on there, huh? Nothing yet. Or New York either. I feel like the, I feel like those three are always in the, the mix. Georgia, Baby Georgia does, just does a decent amount, too, for new releases. I mean, and that is just the fusion. The fusion is the one that is just going to be Florida, Northern California, Indiana, Tennessee, and Illinois. Oh. Discovery and the Pfeiffer Pavit, those are all going to be Indiana, Tennessee, and Illinois, but they are already available in Kentucky, Florida, and Northern California. Oh, my apologies for jumping ahead then. So 
there was a lot. I mean, if you think about those, the Kentucky, Florida, Northern California, Indiana, Tennessee, Illinois, those are the ones that are going to have all of the Bardstown Bourbon Company right now. I'm just happy Tennessee was on the list first because typically it's not. Yeah, we get the uh, the cold shoulder more times than not. Yeah, but there are so many brands that are starting to use Bardstown Bourbon Company. And the craziest thing to me when I went there, when I was seeing, because they do a lot of contract distilling for other people, and you see the schedule up on the wall, and sometimes there are code words, and you see like Bellmead, and, and you see Kentucky Owl, and you see other stuff, but... I just think like the production that goes into it because they know, okay, we're going to be distilling this from X amount of time to X amount of time. But then I know I'm going to have to completely clean the still out because then I'm going to change to a complete new brand. You know, like the, the stuff that goes into there and the, and the clockwork and the precision that they need to do to get everything right to hit everything they have to for their clients that's the thing that amazes me the most right is like such the factory setting of it i mean they have a a column still that goes up forever and you can actually go up and walk up uh, high up in the column still and it gets hot as balls up there man. i'm gonna assume you uh you, you didn't venture on that little uh, excursion huh oh no i did i was sweating Mr. Scared of Heights? Yeah, it's it's okay. I made it. I because there were metal grates like below. It wasn't <laughs> like glass or anything where I was looking down through the floor. I mean, there was a solid floor below me, and it was like different. It was just like being at different levels in a building. Well, right? you probably knew Jared to call you out too. So it wasn't anything like that though there wasn't anything where you look down and realize you're high up i mean it was just like being on another floor there were steps and then a floor and steps and the floor i told you my fear of heights is it comes through weird only sitting in the cab of the truck driving yes because that's not safe sitting in the truck driving i i had like visions of my truck flipping over <laughs> down a mountain i i can't explain it I can't explain it, but I mean, shoot, they have like eight or 10 fermenters. There's so much stuff going on and they're building it out even more. They're building out more and more rickhouses. I I think Bardstown is going to be one of those viable competitors to MGP. If you think about the contract distilling and what they're actually producing there, I got to go back and get into their lab all I had of it was the new make, but that 95.5 rye was so damn good. I, I just had a feel, you know, you taste it and you're like, all right, I know this is going to be really, really good when it matures. It was, it was nice. I mean, I know there's nothing much you could say to that, but <laughs> I, I really just, I, I no, think, I mean, it's, it's easy to see, you know, somebody else making a run at that contract distilling space. I mean, if nothing else, with the bourbon boom that's going on, even if they wanted to, I don't think MGP could supply everyone, so to no. speak. No, and and a lot of the stuff, I mean, a lot of the people, and we've said this before, it is that run in like September to November of 2006 that was the, the hot MGP. 
I think some people are getting now, you know, five year MGP, seven year MGP, but it wasn't that stuff that people went crazy over with the Blom and the the Bell Mead and the Old Scout and all the other stuff. It, it you know, that run was special. You're seeing MGP now come back with some of that other stuff, but I think there's room for competitors, for people that really understand those runs and, and what everyone was gravitating towards. It's like that magical run of MGP that people are paying five, six, seven hundred bucks on secondary for. I mean, that that's kind of done. Hmm. For the most part, it would seem. In addition to contract distilling for other people, Bardstown has three different releases of their own right now. And they have a fusion series, and this is a blend. So it's a blend of 40% Kentucky whiskey. They can't say where this came from. It was 11 years, 7 months old. The mash bill was 74, 18, and 8 between corn rye and malted barley. So, Barton. Uh, sorry, did I, I sneezed. Um Next, we had 18% of Bardstown Bourbon Company, two years and three months. It's 68% corn, 20% wheat, 12% malted barley. And then 42% of Bardstown's distillate. It was two years, one month, and it was 60% corn, 36% rye, and 4% malted barley. This comes in at 98.9 proof, 49.45% ABV, and the suggested retail price is $59.99. Interesting. So so you didn't know this before we started tasting it, but it is a blend of three different bourbons. Well, I assumed fusion. You know, they fuse something together. But they can't, according to NDAs, you can't actually say where that Kentucky whiskey came from or Bardstown can't tell you. Anybody who knows anything about anything, if you really are dorky about your whiskey, you know 74, 18, and 8 screams Barton to a lot of people. Hmm. Screamed totals 100 to me, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, that is, that is a, that's like when you hear 84, 8, and 8. Sounds like a quarterback for a football play. <laughs> no, but you know 84, 8, and 8. You, it's your favorite distillery. Uh, let's not drag them into this. <clears throat> well, we're going to in later ones here. But, Zeke, let's just go through this. The Fusion, we just talked about this. What did you get on the Fusion? Nose-wise, it seemed very faint. Uh, some little bit of light fruit. Uh, a little bit of wave of corn came in, and then uh, almost seemed more like a charred corn. But I did get two different, uh, you know, waves, so to speak, of that uh, corn smell in different, uh, I guess, aspects. Palette-wise, initially it seemed like dried fruit. Uh, I would guess, you know, apricot or pear somewhere in there, but definitely just a, you know, like dried out that kind of lack of uh, not too much zest I guess and then beyond that it just got really dry and bitter on me Um, and that was really about all that I got even revisiting it more than once the nose I said it was a lot of fruit on the nose the taste 
I said initially this one goes down easy, almost like a cereal with fruit. The corn, but not too much. Caramel. And then it turns to leather. The finish turns dry and leathery, but it lingers for a long time. Lots of tannins. It's like licking a baseball glove. And maybe that's because we're watching some of the stuff from the All-Star game on TV from baseball right now. But By we, he means he. Yeah, Zeke's backs to it, but I'm watching the celebrity softball game right now. But it, it was like licking a baseball glove or licking a leather wallet. I I really liked it before the final finish, like when it turned. Yeah, turn three, shit got squirrely. Yeah, but the beginning of it, it was smooth sailing. Like the beginning of it, I'm like, man, there's there's some cereal notes, there's fruit, there's corn. I mean, but it wasn't a corn in, in the sense of like. Reminds me of my uh, barrel racing experience. <laughs> you did really, really. I, I have to say, and we'll come back to this. Shit was going so good, and then woof. And the videos out on Instagram, Zeke was killing the guy. Unfortunately, and I, I don't want to. Well, we'll save it for the end because I want to talk about this for a second. But Zeke was doing really well, and then he hit that hay bale. <laughs> the, the, the first two turns of this, it, it's almost like it gets caught up in turn three, but I really like turns one and two. It's just that end, how it's so dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's same same here. I just thought, wow. Like every little, I meaning I didn't get, you know, extremely pronounced flavors by any means but what i did it just you know poof right right on out of there and then you're just left with the 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 dry and bitter remnant of of something that's i couldn't find any other words to describe it and granted we don't play with this stuff enough i almost wonder if we put in a drop of water is that gonna fix things well uh, assumably it's already proofed down to some degree since it's 98.9 and at least more times than not, when I have played around with stuff, as you incrementally add water, the one thing that becomes more pronounced is the back end, the oak, the bitter, et cetera, or, or however the oak is, is being pronounced in the profile. And the sweets from the front end definitely seem to dissipate more so. No, that is fair when when I do proof it down a little bit. I mean, that sweetness that I would get. It, it, kinda, it knocks whatever from the front end that, that gets knocked off a bit. It's always the first thing to go. I feel like maybe it's that 11 year, seven month stuff that, you know, that unless it was just super charry and it's that like char bitter opposed to an oak bitter, you're not going to get a lot from the Bardstown make that ends up making 60% of this blend where you have two years, three months, and two years, one month, you know that stuff is probably not over-oaked unless it's just bitter because mm-hmm. it's young. I don't know. I, I I mean, I like it. For 60 bucks. I'm still in on this because it's not... I'm, 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 a, I'm a bar on this one. Well, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not oh. something... You know, I wouldn't be disappointed getting this at a bar. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this is something that I would go away from. As far as getting a bottle, I, I almost wonder what the next Fusion Series number two would be and if that's going to be a little bit older of their distillate. Maybe they'll do a three-year 
bar sound bourbon and and maybe they could find a way to balance that other stuff because i have to feel like it's that 11 year seven month stuff that is bringing all the oak yeah i don't i don't know where it is but the the initial 75 percent of this as you know nose and a, a, a pour are pretty good but then that last you know 25 percent the back end of it just kind of negates the whole uh front end process yeah i mean i it's not something i dislike it's just something that i am uh i'm definitely keeping it on the watch list and i wouldn't be disappointed having a pour of this at a bar at all like if i ordered this i'm not gonna be like oh man i wasted money i mean it's it was good i i still liked turns one and two enough to uh i'd be like watching a, 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 a movie and for some reason at the end, the uh, you know the good guy or the superhero dies. And you're like, oh shit! I invested a lot here. I was really excited for this big build up of the end, and then brr. Are you talking about like it's like an Ed Light Shyamalan movie? Oh what? Oh, I haven't watched enough of those in a while. But it, I it, see it, dead people. It's definitely got a twist. Yeah, there's a, there's a twist there. The next one we are going to is the Discovery series number one. Now, this one has a bunch of things in it. It is a 5% Kentucky 13-year with 78% corn, 12% rye, and 10% malted barley. 75% of a Kentucky distillate that's 11 years, 7 months. 74% corn, 18% rye, and 8% malted barley. That makes me think they took the same Barton from the Fusion because it is the exact same age and the exact same mash. Then we have a 10% 10-year Kentucky whiskey that is 75% corn, 13% rye, 12% malted barley. And then last but not least, a 10% of a 5-year Kentucky whiskey that is 75% corn, 13% rye, and 12% malted barley. It is 60.605% ABV, 121.21 proof, and it is 130 bucks suggested retail. So four different distillates in here. The first two have the same mash, and the second two have the same mash? No, the, the first two are a little bit off, but the second two have the same mash. Okay. I didn't write everything down. Just no, it's okay. Try to halfway listen. The first two, the difference between the first two is the percentage of actually everything. So the first two are completely off. Well, I'll let you lead this one off there, Johnny. Yeah, so I I said this one's an interesting nose for sure. A little bit of leather, a little bit of tobacco. It was pretty complex on the nose for me. I, I liked it. But then once I got to the taste, I said... This one really just hits me with a burn in the chest and some oak. If you like something that's going to give you a thump and put some hair on your chest, this is your jam. I definitely feel it in my chest with a lot of oak, and it was just an oak bomb. I didn't get fruit until the finish, but it was like a a dry, oaky fruit that I got at the very, very end. But uh, the taste for me really just was an oak bomb. What about you? Nose-wise, just as soon as I got the glass up, it really hit me with uh, some degree of dark tobacco and or conditioned leather. 
but just, you know, that dark, deep brown, you know, mahogany almost like color just pops in your head from what you're smelling. And I also thought it had a flashes of roasted nuts. Yeah. Nothing with sugar, though. Not like a um, not like a honey roasted peanut, but it was definitely just something, you know, straight roasted, no extra flavor, but just that that kind of fall type smell that came off of them. It's funny because I wrote down dark fruit and nuts and I kind of just summed it up with complex when I was talking, <laughs> but, and I got a lot of different notes in there. I mean, I'll even show you, I had it here and it's crossed out and I just dropped everything out of my notebook. Oh, that was worth seeing folks. <laughs> you only no, wish you could see that without being too much descriptive. That, that was the, the kind of nut, you know, profile that came out of it. Palette-wise, big, old, robust spice mingled with some sweet. Uh, and really, the sweet just flashed intermittently in and out. At, at times, the sweet came across as a little more citrus. By that, I would probably say lemon zest more than, you know, an orange or tangerine kind of thing. And then... All the flavor again just kind of went poof, and there was just a big old spice bomb left there that does not go away anytime soon. If if you like a long spicy finish, this has got it for days. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but if it's yours, then <laughs> pour you a big glass. In comparison, I liked the fusion more than the discovery. And that had nothing to do with price or anything like that. I just liked, at the end of the day, um, I liked the stuff that was in that probably a little bit better. And at least so far for me, even though there have been some differences, if you look at it without really getting too under the microscope, both of them seem to have a pretty solid similar theme to me of a decent nose. You pick up a few different things here and there. And then on the palate, you get a flash of, uh, you know, some, some sweetness and some other things. But then the back end is just, it's very nondescript for both. You know, whereas this one has spice that does hang around for an extended amount of time. And the first one is more dry or bitter. To me, if you, you know, dial out the microscope of things, still pretty similar at the end of the day as far as the whole tasting experience. Yeah, I mean... The fusion is more of the Chris Berman of bourbons, where it is definitely your with me leather. And the, oh, see, I got that in the Discovery more, but you got more leather in the Discovery. Oh, I got yeah. more leather in the Fusion, but I didn't hate it. Like I feel like the Fusion, the Fusion would pair very very well with a cigar. If you're thinking of application. I think that would be a great one to sit out on the deck and smoke a cigar. And in this heat, son, between the dryness of the cigar and the dryness, I'm not thing. saying in the heat. I'm just saying it would be good, a nice. You smoking a cigar in the house now? No, <laughs> I can't smoke a cigar at the apartment complex. I'd, I'd have to go across the street. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, lost on that one right now. But I can go down the street, Franklin Cigars down the street, or couple other places but last but not least let's talk about the uh, pfeiffer pavit reserve now this one you are going to be interested when i tell you where this one comes from 
So let me just tell you the mash bill on this one is 84, 8, and 8. What state do you think this was distilled in? A drunken one? Um, you were right on that. It is uh, distilled in Tennessee. It is a nine-year-old whiskey. It was finished for 19 months in Pfeiffer Pavit Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. It is 49.45% ABV, 98.9 proof, and the retail is $124.99. So, what'd you think? Nose-wise, it seemed to me like a unsweet sangria, if that makes sense any kind of sense at all like you know some sangria is just so sweet with the added sugars and whatever fruits and whatnot this was just very bland and basic and it seemed almost more herbal or earthy maybe even some type of uh, you know herbal essence tea i don't drink them but i see them in our pantry from time to time i know they have all kinds of random blends of uh, tea things in there for certain flavors so I, I think I would chalk that up to some random uh, type of thing there. Uh, Palette-wise, man, at first it was super sweet, like sweet. I mean, wow. Uh, even got some nice berries and tart and things in there. Uh, I just simply put down it was nice. And then the cab salve kicks in. <laughs> um, and with that, it, it was funny because – Say all three of these so far, you know, from where where they went, initial taste and and front to back, they all just seem to have that, you know, somewhere middle to you know, tail end of the road, just get real slippery and squirrely, and what you think is coming on isn't, and then you kind of say, well, hmm. Uh, also got some uh, you know peppery kicks on the very back end uh, as that cab salve kicked in as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I did say, though, that being said, I did say this was my favorite nose out of the three. It's almost like I got a fruity caramel on there. The fruit, and, and maybe it's because this one is so different than the other two. It was really uh, interesting, and I kind of gravitated towards this a little bit more because I got dark fruit and chocolate on the nose, and... uh dark fruit and chocolate on the taste we typically don't go for a wine finished it's typically something that we would say that we stay away from and it's not our jam but i didn't get as dry of a finish and that's typically my biggest beef with a wine finished whiskey is that it can get so dry this one didn't have the dry finish like the first two had so I I have to say this one was my favorite out of the three. I really, I did like this one, and I will tell you I, that. I did on the front end. I mean, I, I laughed to myself when I first tasted this thing and thought, oh, wow. Did I finally find a cab sav finished bourbon that, that, we, I, that, yeah. that I'm going to give two thumbs up to? Like, well, I'll be damned. Somebody finally, you know, did, did it in a way that I like it. And then <laughs> turn three again. <laughs> I will tell you that. Jared Thatcher from Boot Hill Blades, this was his favorite when we were up at Bardstown Bourbon Company that day. We we tasted through all these, and he goes, man, that's really my jam. I really like that one. I would like to see where it was it aged 18 months. Is that right? Something like that? No, it's aged nine years. The Cab Sav? 
Oh, but it was the fi- it, the, the finishing portion. Oh, the buds. finished portion was nineteen months. Oh yeah, so I mean, I'd like to see where that was like halfway into that progression. Because at this point, I feel like it it overwhelms and and dominates a little more of the profile than definitely I get into. But like I say, if on first contact, I'm just thinking, oh, well, I might finally have to you know back up a couple steps and 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 can't use the we don't like any calf sap <laughs> finished bourbon product anymore. I, it makes you think. I mean, the stuff they're doing there, I do have to say, all three of these, it's not like them putting out. They could easily, what they're doing for other people, and if you think about it, like, they could sit there and say, I'm going to put out just the same old bourbon that we put out for everybody else, and we're just going to put our name on it and call it a day. They're trying to do stuff here that's unique, and that's really cool. No, you got to give them credit for that. Always appreciate somebody tinkering and getting out there and trying. I'd also wonder if the same person blended all these or if they were completely different parties. Just the fact that even though the finishes are different, you know, like I said, if we you know back up a little bit and just look at it from a you know a bland perspective, I think they're all pretty similar in a fair amount of ways. And I would just be honest right now. I'd say there's not that much of a difference for me between the fusion series and the discovery series. If I were to buy a bottle, let's just say we didn't say bar or anything like that. There's not that much difference between the fusion and discovery for me to even warrant buying the discovery over the fusion. If I was going to buy a bottle fusion, out of those two would be a no-brainer. Well, it's roughly half the price of both, right? It's half the price of both, but the I don't think the taste profile is so different that makes me pick one over the other. No, no, no. But um, I would also say inversely, anybody that's had one of these and liked them, they're probably going to like the other two because that niche of a profile that, you know, it's not ours but that's not the end of the world by any means. But but the Cab Sav, I mean, the, the Pfeiffer Pavit, that, that's a Tennessee whiskey opposed to the bourbon that you're going to have in the Discovery and the Fusion series. You know, it's, it's like if you... It, it is 84, 8, and 8. It is a high corn recipe that we are very familiar with. And that stuff is going to be a little bit different. I mean, where it has similar characteristics in, in some way... In in other ways, it is completely different than those other two. I think it just depends on how how much you do or don't want to dive into them. But I think if you just had a a flash taste of all three of these, and you're just you know putting down very bland notes, I think that all look very uh, very close. But that is also a testament to the distillery that they're figuring out their profile and and figuring out a way to take different distillates and kind of keeping everything close and and that's got to be commendable when all their stuff is coming from different places i think at the end of the day the only thing that we're saying is like we are an all-in if the finish gets tweaked i think we we would be all in on all three of these there's definitely a whole lot of potential yeah oh yeah and this is the first stuff they're coming out with, and their distillate's only two years old. You'd think as 
all of this stuff matures and as they mature and start playing around with things a little bit more, I have to think that this is only going to get better and better. You think they're going to take some of the feedback they get and really dial it in. And having been there and seeing the lab and all the stuff they're working on, I have no doubt that uh, things are going to get better and better. But I, I have to say that right now, the Fusion and the Fight for Pavit, those are the two that I'd probably get. I'd probably pass on the Discovery for right now and then come back to it. Yeah, I'll go bar for all three at this point. But how was the food? Food was really good. I mean, they had a pretty nice bar set, too. Sorry, uh-huh. just a, a brief, uh, you know transition over is uh i haven't been but i've seen pictures anyone on the bourbon trail obviously you can go to all the distilleries but where you eat is going to be one or two places so you just can't go on mondays there was one pick that we went on and it was a monday and i was really bummed that they weren't open but it's just a, a beautiful looking place like they went above and beyond with everything they've done there and that's why for their first releases i have to say they are on the right track there's plenty of people that come out with the first release, say a craft distillery comes out, and you're just like, man, this is too young, it's too overpriced. It's At least with this, we could say there are a lot of aspects of this that are on the right track. You know what I mean? There's some stuff here where we're like, yeah, the finish comes off a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, if that's what you're coming out of the gate with, it's it's not... It's not a bad way to be presenting yourself to the world. No, I wouldn't say not. But although the food. I, although I do like things under 100 bucks. Yeah, I know. We all do. I do have to say, though, I mean, the food is amazing. But that bar at Bottled and Bond, it. I mean, there's... Well, it's not like it's just their stuff either, right? No, I mean, you can get like 1941 old charter... You name it, they have it. So I think I had a flight, and it was something like 1970s old granddad with like 1950s or 60s bourbon deluxe, and then I had an E.H. Taylor seasoned wood. And those were the three that I had. When there I was you there. go. And then, um, I, I mean, and there are some decent, decent old dusty pours. At not terrible. No, some of the stuff on there, I, I will tell you, right? You're getting vintage. You're going to pay for it. You can find some of the older stuff there that won't break the bank, and you could still get stuff that was 60s or 70s and not spend 100 bucks on the pour. Solid. Yeah. Love that bar there. Anyways, I should mention Bardstown gave this to us again. I mentioned that when I was up there, they did give us this sample pack. Thank you very much to Bardstown Bourbon Company. We are looking forward sometime, Zeke. We are going to get up there and interview them and spend some time with them. I would love for you to go up and see their facility because it's kind of special. But thank you to everyone there. We hope to come back and see you all soon. And and this just kind of proves that sending us a sample has no... uh, impact on what we are actually going to say about what we think about the taste but i will say they are on the right track i should mention before we actually wrap this one up over the fourth 
we competed in a barrel race at Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery, and I have to say, well, by we we each individually competed. It wasn't yes, a, we a each team tandem thing. We each individually competed. Unfortunately, I, I can't blame anything on John, which bothers me. Well, and and I have no one to blame but myself because as we did this race, and there are witnesses, so I clearly won. I got my barrel up first. I'm just a jackass, and I didn't listen to the rules. So I didn't know you had to take your, your hands off the barrel after you turned it up. Always read the rules. Oh, I had a three-year-old with me. I would even mentioned to you days before, hey, these rules are kind of quirky. You think they're going to enforce all these? You probably ought to look at them. I was like, yeah, I will sometime. And then, you know, I actually have to do work for us, like edit the show, get all the stuff up, answer all the people (laughs) that reach out to us. And uh, so I I didn't read the rules. And I swear I was like leaning on the barrel for 10 seconds and didn't actually take my hands off of it. And I, I really did win. Like I got the barrel past the line first and tipped it up. And then all of a sudden he took his hands off and nobody yelled at me. That's the craziest thing is nobody yelled at me like, Hey, take your hands off. They just watched me sit and like lean on the barrel. And, um, I wish I could have seen this. I even went to Charlie and Andy and I was like, this is bullshit. I am calling shenanigans, but Joel, our, our buddy, Joel, he was there, and I was like, Joel, how are you not going to give that to me? I clearly got the barrel up first. He's like, you didn't take your hands off. I was like, like I was listening to the rules. I had a three-year-old that wanted to go in the bouncy castle. Look here, now I was out of breath after rolling that barrel. I had to rest myself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know how much energy that took? But I had a great strategy because it, it was I raced against this guy, Colin, and I I took him out pretty early. I just kind of steered my barrel into his and took him out where Zeke took himself out. And, and anybody who watched this video, Zeke clearly was in the lead and he was smoking this guy. And then all of a sudden his barrel veered left. Well, I mean, the asphalt was on probably about a 20 or 30 degree slope. And then you got to factor in also that obviously the barrels, you know, beveled outwards from the middle. So, in retrospect, I think to you know move this barrel in a straight line, you'd really have to have like 1.3 times the spin on the left as opposed to you know just a one factor on the right of just trying to keep keep that continual you know edge and plus keeping the barrel you know centered on the asphalt. And I'll, I'll give them credit. There's a lot more going on to this whole uh, rolling a barrel race thing than I would have expected. I, I agree. I agree. There was a science, and you know, I'm just I glad was, I'm, I'm not the one that you know needed stitches afterwards, John. Oh no, I I did not. But <laughs> I I was the first race, and Colin, who I raced against, he hit a huge knot. He got himself real good in the shin with the barrel. But I gotta tell you, uh, we were the first one out, Colin and I, and we just were a bat out of hell. And then people looked at us and said we shouldn't go that way we should be more controlled but we just went at it i have to say i think we were the best race of the day you missed it i know i'm I'm still sad i missed it we went very very hard and and uh it was fast and furious i just walk up my here is yeah edward's already lost 
busted his shin pretty good too. I didn't. I I got a little bit under my knee, but it was the <laughs> other guy who really busted his shin. Uh, I got to say thank you to Charlie and Andy and Joel and Danielle and AJ and all the folks down at Bellmead. Speaking of Bellmead, on the 26th, we are going to be doing a dinner at Ellington's Midway at the Fairlane Hotel on Union Street in Nashville. It is going to be a five-course Zeke today. They just added another course. It was going to be a four-course meal. Now it is a five-course meal at Ellington's Midway with Bell Mead. We are co-hosting it with Bell Mead. It's going to be a great time. Go ahead and look at our Facebook group. Look at Ellington's page. Find out more. Get your tickets. We're going to have a five-course meal and then you and I are going to sit down with Charlie and Andy Nelson and actually do a podcast while we're there. Oh, well, wow. Hope they serve strong drinks before that part starts. I, I was just kind Otherwise, of thinking. Otherwise, I feel like, bad for the attendees. I was just kind of thinking, though, like you and I, we, we got to pace ourselves before having a five-course meal paired with bourbon. And then we have to sit there with Charlie and Andy and actually make sense. I think the opposite direction. <laughs> well, I might be waiting to actually sip my whiskey until we start the podcast <laughs> rather than actually be doing it uh, while we're while we're in the middle of everything else. Yeah? We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Anyways, Zeke, anything else you want to say before we close? Not that I can think of. All right, well, go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Join our Facebook group, answer a couple questions. We would love to have you join. You can also find us on your favorite podcast app, which I think you already have. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we would leave an open and honest review to any whiskey we drink. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Good old Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao. Ciao.